Bing bong. I am back with another edition of the State of Bitcoin podcast where I'm joined by my good friend and a member of the chat, Bitcoin Gandalf at BTC Gandalf on Twitter. So be sure to give him a follow. The man, the myth, the legend joined me and we talked a bunch about Bitcoin, uh, the current state of affairs, Federal Reserve raising interest rates, Elon buying Twitter, Bukele on Tucker Carlson, 14-year history of Bitcoin, and much, much more. And as always, it was a banger of an episode, and I got to talk to my good friend for about 45, 50 minutes, so be sure to tune in and like, subscribe, and get this wherever you get your podcast. But as always, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this is not financial advice and should never be taken as financial advice because myself and Gandalf are not financial advisors and everything you hear in this episode is strictly our opinion and should not be taken as financial advice. So on that note, let's get to the episode. Whoosh. What is up ladies and gents? We are back with another live edition of the State of Bitcoin podcast. I'd like to thank everybody listening on podcasting 2.0 apps, especially those that left boost. So I only got one boost review from Web, Wedge Social, who's a friend of the program. We'll have to bring another chips are down here soon. But Wedge left a comment on the last episode, said, long live the, the Lightning Network. So shout out to Wedge and at Wedge Social. But I got a very special guest, another another member of the chat, Bitcoin Gandalf, uh, also known as Make Bitcoin the Standard Gandalf. Gandalf, how you doing today, buddy? Uh oh. <laughs> What's up, man? Thanks for having me back on the pod. Yeah, man. I heard the pause. I was like, oh shit, did he not uh not have a good connection or what? That's fine. I'm just uh, playing around with some uh, voice effects. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like this guy has too much, too much time on his hand these days. But, you know, how are you doing these days? I mean, we're, we're in a bear market. How are you kind of feeling about everything? And uh, how's, uh, how's things going over there at Brains? I mean, yeah, good. I'm loving the bear market. Cheap sats. Get more sats for every cuck buck. So uh, can't complain. Uh, things of brains are going well. Um, yeah, miners are in pain, especially the ones that are that were uh, leveraged degens, which which I understand. You know, the bull market incentivizes you to hodl your Bitcoin and take out leverage and and you know uh, do those types of things. Your especially if you're a public miner, the uh, your equity number goes up big time, and everyone's very happy whilst the uh, the party's still going. But now. Um, yeah, I guess the people who are a bit more conservative, who kept sold some Bitcoin, who now have some cash on their balance sheet, they can uh, they're getting some sweet sweet deals, and they'll be very well set up for the next bull run. Yeah, for sure. And I guess that that leads me into you know the first kind of question. It's, it'll be the first segment. Uh, I think I'm going to start bringing this as an actual segment since I have the name of the podcast as State of Bitcoin. I want you to give me your overall opinion of of the actual state, right? Because you talked a little bit about the miners, but we just had the Federal Reserve raise interest rates. We have the overall kind of global macro environment, you know, either leading to a recession or in a recession, whoever you want to talk to, they'll give you that opinion um, and maybe even leading to a depression. But we got Bitcoin kind of floating around this 20K kind of mark. 
so give me your overall thoughts on the just general state. Uh, you know, where, what about, what do you think of where we're at and uh, where do you think we're going? Oh God. Well, in the long run, Bitcoin will eat everything. So we're going up in the short run. Who knows? Uh, it seems like in terms of the, you know, just fundamental supply and demand, the big flush out for in, in Bitcoin specifically, and I guess wider in the wider crypto space was the whole Celsius, three arrows, all that jazz. Uh, what, no, what are they called? The other scammers, uh, Luna, uh, Doquan, that's it. It's been so long since I've heard his name. Uh, yeah, that, that, you know, that was obviously humongous selling pressure. Uh, all the miners were capitulating and selling all their Bitcoin. A lot of them don't have any more Bitcoin to sell other than just selling potentially what they're mining every month. Uh, so in terms of like massive amounts of sell pressure, I think, uh, yeah, I think we're past that. Uh, the only thing that can happen now is, you know, some some black swan, very, very bad news. Uh, but everything else, in my opinion, seems to be priced in. No, no matter what happens, we still get bad news every day and Bitcoin just sits there at 19K, 20K. So the, uh, there, there's the, the, the core, the plebs are stacking. I'm sure there's some hedge funds and financial institutions who are all, uh, you know, looking at this as an opportunity to, to fill their bags as well. So uh, I'm sure there'll be some smart institutional or at least, you know, high net worth individual family office money uh, plowing in big time because they would have seen what happened you know last time the people who bought around these levels and went up to 69k uh obviously made a lot of money if they sold yeah no exactly and i couldn't agree more with you there i think you know th just from where bitcoin's been floating around and it hasn't really taken a huge dip since it dropped down to around the 20k mark um you know i think that's encouraging because we're seeing the federal reserve raise interest rates at you know, the fastest pace in 40 years. Um, and, you know, outside of uh, other fiat currencies, the dollar is ripping, you know, uh, or, or I guess the dollar is ripping compared to all other fiat currencies. But, you know, Bitcoin's kind of floating steady. And I think, uh, you know, that that should be an encouraging sign to everybody kind of in the Bitcoin space, as we kind of continue to see this, uh, you know, rising interest rates. And, you know, Jerome Powell even said he's not going to stop until, um, you know, the job is finished, that there's going to be more pain ahead, and that he's probably going to continue raising rates. Um, and there doesn't really and it seems like, you know, the, the narrative around this whole thing is that uh, the Fed's going to kind of continue to keep raising rates until 2024 time. So uh, I, th I think it's kind of interesting, as uh, you know, a lot of people are kind of screaming for this Fed pivot uh, from the rooftops, uh, all over Twitter. But uh, I don't know, me personally, I don't really think that we're going that way anytime soon. Um, you know, obviously, you don't have a crystal ball, you're just Gandalf, right? So what do you kind of see uh, of this playing off at playing out? Are you uh, kind of in the camp of the Fed's gonna pivot eventually? Or do you think, you know, uh, enough people are gonna, uh, or, you know, you know, you think that uh, the, the Fed is gonna continue to kind of raise rates and keep doubling down on what they've been saying? Uh, for now, they'll keep raising, you know, I think they, they will react to, to markets and data, but I think the, I don't really care what they say. I just think they'll fuck things up whichever way it is. So before they fucked up by being too loose. Now they're, now they're <laughs> by, uh, being, being too tight. Sorry. I don't know if this is a family friendly show, so I can bring up the, bring in the sensor if you want. Mother. 
No, just keep swearing, dude. You can you can bring it in for comedic effect, but I don't, I don't. <laughs> no, yeah, I think that I think they'll fuck it up. Uh, so you know, if the data suggests like inflation's going down and uh, you know unemployment's going up and there's a bit of a recession, they're going to be like, no, we need to make sure that we kill this inflation. I can still see the embers of inflation there. We need to put those out another one percent. And uh, yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, and I, I think, uh, you know, they're going to keep, you know, until the CPI number gets really down, which I don't know if we'll kind of start seeing any of these CPI prints get really low um, <clears throat> until next year. But, you know, obviously, the fine really low, uh, closer to the two uh, goal, How close? you know, I mean, maybe they'll, they'll push the needle to like 4%. I could definitely see that, you know, they've been essentially pushing the needle, right. Uh, or kicking the can down the road, you know, moving the bar a little bit higher, uh, at every turn, it seems like, right. Well, uh, what do you, th- what do you think about the, um, the thesis that they, they say that, you know, because of structural changes in the economy now, 4% is the new 2% inflation. And so the target is 4%. Well, I just think, you know, at the end of the day, they just they that's them admitting that they don't have control of, you know, inflation at this point. Right. I mean, well, they I, wouldn't admit it, but yeah, it, yeah. Is an, it is an effective admission, but they will say it's because of structural changes, blah, 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 blah. They'll have some excuse. You know, they'll just like redefine some term, just like they try to claim there's no recession. Exactly. Right. And then so now then what what happens when it's now a four percent increase? Right. So every the, the kind of standard, I guess, in the United States before was, hey, everybody wanted a three percent raise every year. Right. So then now if that four percent is the standard, is everybody going to kind of expect that five percent minimum raise? And what does that do to businesses? Right. Then it's more cash going to the employees, more cash ex- expenditures. And then that just kind of leads down this like dark path. And I think that's kind of where we're going right now. And, uh, you know, that obviously leads to the the whole, like, make the Bitcoin the, Bitcoin the standard. Um, but, I mean, I've seen a bunch of different theses around, uh, you know, making Bitcoin backed uh, or making the U.S. dollar Bitcoin backed or, you know, maybe going to some kind of standard along that lines. Like, where do you think, I guess, the path forward is for all of this? I mean, obviously, it seems like the fiat current, the end of fiat currencies is going to be kind of bloody for some countries and you know obviously some who have jumped on it a little bit quicker will probably prosper in the end but uh you know what do you see a clear path for how this is going to go or a path i guess that you wish that we go down no i don't and i I think this is going to be if bitcoin becomes the standard and by the way this is a double meaning i do mean make bitcoin the standard as in i want it to be the base money of the world but I also mean in the sense that get rid of sats and make big, make sats Bitcoin. I don't know if you saw that today on Twitter. Half joking, half, you know, I don't really care, but it's just a bit of fun. But it'd be interesting to just get rid of the divisibility and call sats Bitcoin and have no divisibility. Yeah, we it's were like, a, like a little stock split. Yeah, we were kind of going back and forth on that on, on Twitter. And I kind of like the word SATS. So, I mean, I, w- I want to hear why you think, uh, you know, we should just keep it as Bitcoin opposed to like, you know, denominating, I don't know, one one millionth of a Bitcoin as a SAT or a Satoshi. Because we want to, if we want, if we want Bitcoin to be the base money of the world, people need to a- adopt it and use it. And you're already dealing with like people who don't know what Bitcoin is or understand what Bitcoin is. Maybe they've heard the word Bitcoin. If you're then bringing like, another thing oh it's a sat it's a hundred millionth of a bit like that's just it's, it's a lot to wrap your head around and then you know even within the bitcoin 
even within Bitcoin users, some people denominate in Bitcoin, so 0.0045. Other people are saying 450,000 Satoshis. You have to still like converge on, you know, if somebody tells you, okay, 0.0045 and then your app is in sats. So then you have to figure out how many shows that in sats. Okay. Uh, or if it's just like, give me 10 million Bitcoin. Yes. Okay. Here you go. I don't need to like convert from 0.01 to, to sats or if, is it a hundred sats? Is that a bit like, no, just Bitcoin. So just kind of denominate, I guess, in uh, in Satoshi's and just kind of keep it that way, then, huh? Like get rid of. I'm calling it Bitcoin. Yeah, getting. I don't rid think. Of yeah, don't think you change the name. If you change the name, I don't think Sats have caught on more than Bits. So changing from Sats to Bits is just changing the name and making things more difficult for no reason. Uh, having no divisibility, just making Bitcoin the smallest unit making Bitcoin the divis the most divisible unit, you eliminate all the rest of it. And it's just, there's no 100 million sats as one Bitcoin. It's just, there's Bitcoins and there's 2.1 quadrillion of them. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I see the point. And, you know, just anecdotally, I was I went on a date with this girl and I was kind of showing her Bitcoin or something or something or other. She asked about what a green candle was. So I pulled up the Bitcoin chart. And uh, I was just kind of saying that. And she's like, oh, one share of a Bitcoin is like $20,000. I was like, well, kind of. And then it kind of led to like the longer rabbit hole where it's like, you know, you have to buy uh, or you can buy up to like, you know, five cents of one or something like that. Yeah. And, you right. know, but it like from somebody coming from that perspective, right? If we were to say, all right, well, one share of Bitcoin or like one sat slash Bitcoin is you know, whatever it is right now, like two cents or a hundredth of two cents or something like that. Yeah. It's uh, like a fraction of cents. Yeah. That would, that would mean, it would make more sense. It would be easier to kind of denominate or not denominate to explain. Right. Because I think like a big argument or, you know, a big uh, roadblock for a lot of people that come in is like, well, I'll never get to a full Bitcoin because it's $20,000 and I just don't have $20,000. Yeah. They need to buy a full one initially. But, you know, hey, I can buy, you know, 100000 for whatever it is, like 20 bucks. Like, oh, shit, that's... that's yeah, not well, people do this with shit coins, right? They're like, why would I buy 0 0.0001 Bitcoin when I can buy 2 million Doge for the same amount of fiat currency? And then I have 2 million Doge versus having, you know, literally z less than zero of a Bitcoin. Yeah. Sorry, zero, but less, sorry, less than one, but like a 0 0.00001 Bitcoin, which yeah. is like... Eh. No, but I get what you're saying, and I think that that would kind of help. Um, so maybe I'm, maybe you're you're turning me on this. Maybe I'll come around that train, and I think well, like that, that how many people say, "Oh, one Bitcoin." They don't know you can buy a fraction of a Bitcoin, so you're already getting into like, "Oh, there's fractions of a Bitcoin," and they think, "Oh, it's too expensive to buy a Bitcoin. I don't have forty thousand or twenty thousand or whatever." But if it's like, well, you can, you don't have to say you can buy a fraction of a Bitcoin. You can say you can buy a Bitcoin. It's only zero point zero 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 two cents. Or whatever yeah don't and even it, know how you would buy a bitcoin at this point you would have to do it you'd have to do it like in the hong kong stock market shares are sold in lots of like 400 shares or 200 shares or whatever so if you buy if you buy less than a lot you're normally getting a worse price because it's like an odd number of shares because people just trade in lots so you could just sell bitcoin in lots yeah there but you go. yeah anyway it's not yeah the the it's just a bit of a, a bit of shit posting, but I also think it makes a bit of sense. But you know, to 
everyone can adopt and call Bitcoin whatever they want, really. Yeah, but I also think it'll help with, you know, uh, orange pilling people, honestly, because I mean, like, like I just kind of said in that that one example that I had was like, you know, then, then it kind of leads to a little bit deeper of a conversation. And like, especially with the initial conversation, when you go in, the kind of like, I guess, the more layers you peel back into it, I guess, the more intimidated I feel like people get, right? So if you say like, you know, well, you know, every time they answer a question, if you have to kind of go into like a deep explanation about it, well, well, if you just say like, you know, one Satoshi is now one Bitcoin and that's like two, I don't know, whatever it is right now, less than less than a cent, um, you know, that that kind of like leaves out that one question and that one, you know, I guess uh, roadblock that people run into where it's like, well, I can't afford, uh, you know, uh, one full Bitcoin at 20K. So I think mm-hmm. I think we're onto something there. I've seen I've seen uh, tweets from people saying, "Well, normies are gonna think that Bitcoin went down from 20k, and now it costs what, a fraction of a cent." Uh, but most normies don't know how much Bitcoin costs in the first place. <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that laugh is good. I think you should hold on to that one. That's the megaphone. Hello, hello. How many uh how many rumblers have you had before this? Not none, enough. None. I um I just got home from work like an hour and a bit ago. I've uh, had no rumblers. Well, <clears throat> we are in the 14th year of Bitcoin's history, so we we can uh maybe still change some things because we've got a long long ways to go to say the least. Um, but there's been yeah. a lot of. <clears throat> Sorry, I was gonna say we 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 don't realize how much of an echo chamber we live in on Bitcoin Twitter. I mean, sometimes even I. Sometimes I'm slapped by reality going to conferences and all, I've been hanging out with Joe Nakamoto a bit and he tries to do like street orange pilling. And most people have no idea what Bitcoin is beyond that they've heard of it. And it's a digital currency of some sort, you know, but they couldn't tell apart from a CBDC to them, a CBDC and Bitcoin is the same thing. I mean, I had a friend who worked for a crypto company and he said, the reason Bitcoin will fail is because the government will just release CBDCs. So he just equated Bitcoin to a CBDC, which is completely missing the point of Bitcoin, right? But yeah, that, and this is somebody who worked for a cryptocurrency company. Yeah, and I mean, I think it, there's a lot of, I mean, there's like as like we've kind of said, I mean, a lot of, a lot of people don't really understand it, and even with like people that are in crypto, they get bored with Bitcoin. I had one guy who um, came up to me and they're like, Oh, like you're into crypto or something like that. Cause they heard I have this podcast and whatnot. And I'm like, well, not into crypto. I'm into Bitcoin." Mm. They're like, well, what's the use case for Bitcoin? And I was like, you know, digital payments. They're like, well, that doesn't really do it for me. Cause it's not, it wasn't sexy enough for them. You know, and I'm just like, I, I, I love, yeah. I, I love when people, I love, I had a, I saw a tweet the other day. It's like, Oh, Bitcoin won't make it. Cause you know, there's just not enough utility for it or something. It's like, is, mo- is money not enough utility for you? Like you need it to do some somersaults as well, sing you a song? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, I feel like there's beauty in like the simplicity and there's beauty in like, you know, the one use case. And I think like that's where- Money's people- the most utile thing in the world. You can do literally anything with it. You can turn money into anything. Well, a hundred percent, right? It's that the most means- useful thing in the world. Medium of exchange. So, I mean, it's just like, it's, 
it's something where it's like, all right, well, I need this thing to do X, Y, and Z. And then I think they've, uh, a lot of people kind of gotten into the, you know, the shitcoin craze where it's like, okay, well, Bitcoin goes up 10x, these shitcoins go up 100x, but they don't realize like, hey, well, when Bitcoin in the market crashes, it goes down 100x or 200 or 400 or 500x, whereas like Bitcoin doesn't really go down as much. And that's where they kind of run into. And so I think this bear market has kind of turned some shit coiners into maybe Bitcoin maxis, but we'll see. I mean, I think there's always going to be some sort of route for shit coins. I mean, especially with like hundred percent entry. Um, but I think like as long as people like to gamble, there will be shit coins. The best description for, for crypto exchanges that have a bunch of tokens on them is literally they are shitcoin casinos. People are going on there and they're gambling. They're hoping that if they buy Shiba Dogelon, it'll go up 10,000% and they'll make some money. Just like they hope that if they go and put, you know, 10 bucks on Black 8 on Roulette, they'll get 36 times back. And then they maybe can have a free dinner or something or, you know, afford half of their rent or whatever. Yeah, no, 100%. And I think that's going to kind of continue, unfortunately. But I think, you know, Bitcoin's getting a lot more publicity as it is, right? I mean... The, the the famous line on Bitcoin Twitter, you know, there's no B- Bitcoin CEO, Bitcoin doesn't have a marketing team, et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, I don't know if you saw the clip kind of going around Bitcoin Twitter, but Bukele went on Tucker Carlson and, uh, you know, whether you're a Fox News guy or not, Tucker Carlson right now is uh, the most watched news program in the country, of, or at least the United States. And Bukele essentially went on there and just absolutely tore apart the American government in front of a million Americans. Um, and you know, a lot of it was around the, the debasement of the, the fiat currency and how the fiat currency system is essentially tearing apart all of, you know, these big cities. And he said himself in a quote that I live in a third world country of El Salvador, but some of these cities in the United States that used to be big and prosperous look worse than a lot of the cities in El Salvador. And he was kind of pointing to, you know, a lot of these big metropolitan areas like L.A., San Francisco, New York City, Chicago, like some of these big cities that have been, you know, blue for quite some time and now are kind of turning into shitholes for, you know, lack of a better word. And so, I mean, do you see that as somewhat of a positive or do you think that, you know, Bukele kind of going up there and just like ripping apart America is almost like kind of a, I I guess, a bad look where, um he's almost coming off as like maybe salty is a word. Um, or do you think like more people are kind of waking up to the fact that, you know, a lot of these policies have kind of torn everything apart? Yeah. I mean, there are some things that are bad about America and that there's suddenly things to be worked on, but overall it's a great place to live. It's a great place to be from. I don't think things are nearly as bad as sometimes are made out to be now. There's also the people that only have rose-tinted glasses on and they think America's the best and everything's wonderful and we're so lucky if we live here and completely ignore some of the things that could be changed. And so uh, for lack of a more nuanced view of everything, uh, sometimes it's good to have someone like Bukele who comes in and he's just focusing on the bad things, uh, right? So you as an individual watching that and maybe if you live in America you have to take like a little bit from here and a little bit from there and that hopefully helps you see an accurate picture of what America is actually like at the moment because it is a little bit of everything but yeah I mean I've been to uh, I've traveled a lot to America this year I've been to El Salvador and uh, of course El Salvador is a bit you know it's definitely a developing nation 
you can definitely tell that it's not like going to a big city in America, but at the same time, some some areas of big cities in America, there's a lot of homeless people. There's a lot of people who are obviously mentally ill, who are uh, living on the streets. There's a lot of drug addicts, uh, like a lot more than I've seen anywhere else traveling in Europe, for example, that would be like, you know, equal in terms of economic development to America. So there's definitely an issue there in America that needs to be looked at. Yeah, and I think like a lot of these policies might almost revolve around the whole, like, you know, the fiat system, everything kind of leads back to the money, right? And I think, you know, they're allowing a lot of people to work without and get paid. Um, they're allowing, you know, drugs to be more legal and not really punish people for that. They're defunding the police when crime is running rampant. And, you know, they're allowing, they're allowing looting up to a certain amount of money in certain cities. And I mean, I think it's just kind of a disservice for, uh, you know, the American people here. And I think overall, we're seeing kind of, uh, you know, the demise of the American empire. And I know our, our buddy Massa has been kind of preaching this for, for quite some time. But, um, you know, with uh, the hashtag late stage fiat and everything that he's he's tweeting out these days, too. So I, I, I just kind of continue to see this. And I feel like, you know, even though it's, it's almost could come rub some people the wrong way, kind of how he was coming at America. I think uh, overall, you know, Bukele getting on Tucker Carlson will lead people to kind of look into El Salvador. Like, why is he here? Why is he talking on this big, you know, media outlet? And it'll kind of lead back to El Salvador, uh, you know, making Bitcoin legal tender. And then people will kind of start to think about that. And, you know, Tucker's kind of been starting to talk about it. And, and more and more people in the American public have been kind of, you know, discussing it. And they're seeing a lot of the, the issues that the government has, uh, you know, overall kind of, I guess, just caused with a lot of this money printing and everything like that. Um, and uh, a lot of the policies in place. And so I think people are just kind of looking for a change or, or a different outlet. And so I think that's, you know, obviously it's not the whole reason why Bitcoin's floating around 20K, but I think a lot more people are kind of flocking towards Bitcoin because of that and trying to find an alternative to the U.S. dollar. And I think, you know, obviously it'll bring some people to shit coins, but it's bringing more people to Bitcoin than I think we think. And I and maybe it's just me in the echo chamber, too, and just kind of being hopeful. But I think like we're kind of on the right path and we're starting to see that that uptick where, you know, it's it's in the news more often and more and more people are kind of coming towards it. Do you yeah. kind of think that way or do you think like, you know, uh, do, do you have the. Uh, you know, I guess the the opposite point of view of me. No, Bitcoin is the antith antithesis to everything that's happening. So more state surveillance, more uh, manipulation of the money, uh, inflation, all you know, state state control of the money. All of that is that Bitcoin is the antithesis. So for people who understand those things and they find Bitcoin and they're able to understand how Bitcoin fixes all of that or is an escape hatch to all of that, they'll go into Bitcoin. The people who see that and then go to shit coins don't understand anything. But I think like, you know, I don't, I just don't know, like if people really are, are going to start to go towards this or kind of still think that the government can, can help people. Right. Cause like, uh, I don't know if you saw this, but the Biden administration just published our, like uh, said today uh, that they're going to provide over $13 billion in aid to help American families pay for energy bills. Um, and so it's essentially 
will give people aid to make their homes quote more energy efficient um, and then uh, also help like lower income households. So I, I just like, I, I wonder if that, you know, more people kind of like appreciate the free handouts or if they're kind of like realizing like, Hey, these free handouts come at a way larger cost than it's actually worth or that it's actually benefiting me. I think most people appreciate them because most people don't realize that they come at a higher cost than the amount of money they're receiving. What's that? Is the population of America 310 million or what? What is it? Or 240? Uh, I don't know. Let me Google it real quick. Great, uh, great uh, audio right here. Population of America is 331 million. 331. So 13 billion is less than like 40 bucks per household or something, no? Yeah. That's ridiculous. How, what, what's somebody can't even, that's not even like a month of electricity. No, I mean, my electric bill now, well, I mean, I have a, I have a duplex. So like combined is like over $200. That's crazy. So yeah, hold on 340 million. Yeah. 38 bucks. Thanks yeah. Joe. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, per household, that's, a, you know, it's going to be a bit more per household. Cause obviously not every single person in America lives on their own. Um, but you know, even if you four if you times that by four hundred and sixty bucks, great, you paid like a month of electricity. Woo! Yeah, I know one month right. and or then, like a week's groceries or whatever. And where's the money coming from? Right, exactly. I mean, that is know. the key question. Where yeah. it's the it's the where where do, but where does the yield come from? But yeah, but where does the money come from? If more people asked that and understood the answer to that question, we'd be in a very different place. Yeah, and I think you know. I remember around around uh, the inflation stimmy checks kind of coming out. Everybody was like, you know, all hyped that they were coming. Uh, they got all the memes and everything like that. And uh, shortly after they stopped, like maybe after the second check, uh, I saw like monthly stimulus checks was trending on Twitter at some point in time. So, uh, you know, I I feel like some of right? kind of starting to wake up to it. You know, we're start. I mean, we're seeing inflation kind of still run rampant in the U.S. We're seeing rent start to slowly come down, um, but everything's still kind of like floating around the same price, right? So, you know, gas, three fifty, um, all these other factors, food's still very expensive. And people aren't really noticing that, you know, we're deploying all our petroleum reserves and everything like that. But I think they're going to start to come around. I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just hopeful that people are going to start waking up to the fact that it's all bullshit and like, hey, my grocery bill that was 100 bucks is now 200 um, but I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm just, uh, in the echo chamber for sure. Yeah. I think anytime you look at, you know, when fiat currencies fail, they just get replaced by a new currency, by a new fiat currency. So they get told, oh no, this one's different. This one's stable and it's all, yeah. And then, so that's probably what's going to happen, but let's see, let's see. We've got a nice contingent of Bitcoiners out there. We're allowed, uh, the the conditions are ripe for growing more bitcoiners right it's like all this inflation and all this government surveillance and stuff that's like the that's like the manure on the seeds to grow into bitcoiners right if everything's like going very well in the fiat world then less people are going to be like why do i need this alternative you only need alternatives when the current thing is not working so the more that fiat doesn't work the more that the existing system doesn't work the more people 
will look for the alternative. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, you said, you said one thing that caught my attention there is that we're loud. And I think the loudest place that Bitcoiners are is on Twitter. Right. And so we've had this huge news, obviously, with Elon purchasing Twitter and the deal kind of kind of actually like finally going through. I feel like he purchased it or made the offer like a year ago or so, but it's probably been less time. It just seems it was like, like May or something now or like later than May. Yeah, but it seems like it's been a, like an ongoing saga for, for quite some time. But, um, you know, Elon first walked into Twitter HQ holding a kitchen sink. Then now he's firing 50% of the, ta- uh, 50% of the uh, staff, ending the work from home policy, charging people $8 a month for verification per month for Twitter blue and that, that check mark. And seemingly it seems like it's starting to end censorship. Uh, so, I mean, what do you think, I guess, the initial reaction? Because we're seeing a lot of people crying about it and we're seeing a lot of people jumping for joy about it. Um, so obviously there's probably somewhere in the middle where uh, most people lie. But um, it seems like there's there's definitely a polarizing uh, polarizing start to Twitter, to say the least. Yeah, I, I thought it was funny that everyone thought that just because he took over from day one, suddenly all these like policies have changed and whatever, like, these people have obviously never run a company. You can't just come in and on day one because it's a new owner or something, suddenly everything changes. This is going to take, you know, whatever changes he does implement are going to take time. Sure, it looks like he's, you know, he's pushing the employees to roll out this Twitter blue feature thing by Wednesday. But I mean, when you have 5,000 software developers, how, uh, you know, how, <laughs> how long does it take to write a bit of code? Uh, the uh the, the 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 blue check thing i'm still confused as to what you're getting i don't you know i don't care about the blue check itself like having the tick next to my name but you know are we getting like less ads are we getting no ads are we getting i like the twi- i would i wish i could get twitter blue features where i live now so if he's releasing that worldwide but i think bundling too many things into this one eight dollar thing uh is not good because some people might want the Twitter blue features that, you know, the longer video, the ability to edit, but they don't care about a check mark and they don't care about ads. So I would have, I would figure out a way that, I, that, you know, to break, break it up or maybe have three tiers of, of membership, just like most things that you have like a budget package, that gets you a few things and you have like the, probably the best value for money package. that gets you most things for a reasonable amount. And then you have the like superpower user. That's like, you know, more expensive, but gets you everything. Yeah, and I and I think it's kind of funny too. Like, I mean, we had an AOC tweeting about, uh, oh, you know, blue and everything like that. She was essentially saying like, "Don't give this billionaire all of your money for you know eight dollars a month and all this and that." And I mean, it just seems like uh, it just doesn't make sense to me. I mean, like it's been a free app for all this time. If you want extra features, you should pay for it. And I think like the extra features are essentially just like less ads to no ads, and then uh, you know. I- I think or not. I mean, he could, if he made Twitter better with features, maybe more people would use it and then he could sell more advertising and make money that way. It's just different money, different business models. He's choosing to go the paid subscription route. Fine. But he could also just make Twitter fucking awesome such that we all spend all of our day on there making great content. There's more eyeballs on there and then he can go and take that to advertisers and, and sell more ads. But yeah, I, guess, I guess having direct, you know, if he's getting subscriptions... If he's charging users for subscriptions, then he has a direct relationship with those people and he's not at the behest of advertisers so much. You know, he he knows already he's, you know, generally a popular-ish figure or popular enough 
that he can get enough people to go on Twitter, pay for Twitter and have Twitter be a place where people can pretty much say whatever they want and they'll stick around. Whereas like advertisers are already pulling out because of whatever work reasons. Like I've seen GM is pulled out of advertising on Twitter. Some other huge marketing company that like handles big uh, blue chip brands marketing. They said they're pausing Twitter advertising or spending on Twitter advertising. There was another company. Um, so, you know, then the, in the, in those cases, it's good to have a direct relationship with your, with your users. And I think it's more about conversion though. I mean, like it, it's gotta be worth it for the advertisers in order to, to advertise. Right. And I, and I also think too, there's a lot of like the woke companies that will pull out and like, whatever. I think at this point, if you haven't noticed that going woke is going to get you broke, then I, I can't really help you. So I think like a lot of people are just making these knee knee jerk decisions to kind of help or, you know, get those, those like two or three voices within the company and make them happy. You know, I think that's what a lot of people are doing at this point. And, you know, I, I think the overhaul and everything like that for Twitter is going to be good. Do I think he's probably going to make or run into some bumps in the road and maybe not do the best things right away? Probably. I mean, I think nothing's going to be perfect when he's like rolling through all this. Like, I don't think it's like going to be, you know, perfect company. I think there's a long road ahead for Twitter for sure. But I think there's a lot of positives to be coming out of it. And I think like people are going to still kind of still flock to the pro uh, flock, flock to the platform. And uh, you know, I, I just think it's going to kind of continue to grow. And I think, you know, if people are going to kind of come off Twitter because Elon's now the uh, CEO, then they weren't really going to be on Twitter anyway. Yeah. And, and I would say the most important thing that he could do is deal with the, the bots. No. Yeah. I hate them. Yeah, I know. And you've got yourself plenty of bots, it seems like, too, every time you tweet anything. And then it, if you put like hashtag Bitcoin in anything, too, there's always a, oh, check this video out and then an immediate reply. At least that's what I'm getting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no, I don't get as many bots as like, if you get retweeted by, you know, an account, a, a crypto or Bitcoin account with like 100, 200, 500,000 followers, and you see their tweet, like it's wrecked. Oh, so okay. many. Look at yeah. like NVK, every time he posts anything, it's like 20 replies, all of like, you know, CZ Binance with a check mark saying, you know, chilling some scam URL. Yeah. Uh, but I am curious to see like how this kind of goes. I know we've had Mahler's tweet uh, at, you know, uh, at Elon that he could help implement the payment system through Strikes API, which is already, you know, there through tips. Um, yeah. Ballers tweeted at Elon. Yeah, yeah, I missed that. Yeah, yeah. So he tweeted at uh, he tweeted at Elon and basically said like, "Hey, Strikes API is already implemented at Twitter Tips. Like, we could easily implement that if you wanted to." Um, what do you think? What do you think? What are you gonna do? Okay, if Elon implements Doge payments and not Bitcoin. Yeah, that's what I was like. That was my first kind of in, initial thought. And I mean, I, I I don't think Elon's dumb when it comes to online payments because, like, I mean, he helped found PayPal, right? So yeah. he was one of the first ones in that line. So I don't think he's like, you know, just doesn't get it. Now, you can pay with Doge on the Tesla store, right? Yeah. But I, you can't I, pay with Bitcoin. I think you can't. I don't pay. think he. I, I don't think he's as smart as you think he is on the payments that side of things. He's well, clearly, I, unless he's trolling, he's clearly shown that he does not understand 
how blockchains work. Well, he I literally think... came up came up with a he came he came up with arguments from 2017 about block size and block speed and all that shit. Yeah, I mean, I still think he's going through the rabbit hole. Is where I think he's at. Uh, so there is so there's a perfectly good chance that he implements Doge and not Bitcoin. Yeah, I think that like. I, what I are think... you gonna do when if he does that? Are you gonna leave Twitter? No, I'm not gonna leave Twitter. Probably. Yeah. I mean, me neither. Probably. But I'm not gonna pay in Dogecoin like eight dollars a month in Doge or whatever that whatever mm-hmm. that comes out to in like a million Doge per month or whatever. I mean, I just think like you know, I I, I think. Uh, I mean, Bitcoin's already implemented in tips. You can send sats from me to you over Bitcoin and the Lightning Network. So no I mean, one does it. I know nobody does it. I've gotten like maybe two or three tips. So shout out to those people that have sent me that. But I mean, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, I mean, if you're giving stuff out for free, though, like how often are you going to like, I, I don't know, how often do you feel inclined? Like it, this is kind of the argument I make with like value for value and advertisers. In a perfect world, I think, most people in the Bitcoin space would go value for value. They would say, hey, you know, stream me sats, send sats, whatever. And so I don't have to get advertisers where I have to like listen and like, you know, mince my words and I can't really be free speaking about everything. Whereas like, you know, advertisers are going to pay a lot more money. So at the end of the day, money kind of talks, right? So yeah, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, maybe the Doge founders offer something to Elon and Elon is like, okay, well, Twitter's struggling and we need the cash flow or something like that. So, well, then, no, there's not, it's not, Doge is not centralized like that. The founders can't just print more Doge and give Elon money or whatever. Yeah. But I mean, okay. So then could they just be like, I don't know, incentivize them, incentivize him somehow to implement Doge? Well, I think the way he's incentivized is he's got massive Doge bags or he doesn't care about money. He just thinks it's funny. Yeah, he well, do I mean, it for the giggle, he'd do it for the for the lulls. He's already said he thinks the most entertaining outcome is the one that is the best. Whatever his saying is about entertaining outcomes, but like he's gonna that for him that's Doge. Yeah, but I think like he also said in an interview that he has a lot of Bitcoin, he has a little Ethereum and a little bit of Doge. Like I think that was his like wording. So yeah, he, but based on that, how yeah. much is that versus his like net worth in Tesla and SpaceX and whatever? It's probably a fraction, like a tiny fraction. Yeah, uh, the guy sold eleven billion dollars worth of Tesla stock last year. He's fine for money. Oh yeah, he doesn't yeah, need to pump his Bitcoin bags basically. Well, and does he need it? Does he need you to pump his Doge bags? Either. No, he doesn't either. But but he that's why it's not about money for him. It's about low value and. Doge has the most low value and entertainment value. Right. And, and he did make a lot of people. Okay. It's not, you know, people say, Oh, you can make your own choices, whatever he, a lot of people bought Doge at 69 cents and 71 cents thinking it's going to a dollar. Cause Elon's going to pump it there. And then it went down to six cents and now yeah. it's only pumping again because of Elon, maybe buying Twitter and putting it there. Yeah. I mean, so, that's, I guess that's true. I don't know. You might feel like, wow, I, you know, a lot of people got wrecked. If I can get it back up to 70 or a dollar, then, but then all he's going to do is get more people in who are then going to get wrecked as well. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, I mean, it's, it's interesting. And I think it's definitely something that a lot of people are going to be keeping an eye on, at least for like the next month or the end of the year. Um, but I think it'll probably die down after like all this, like initial overhaul, like Elon's come in, he's probably had an idea of what he's wanted to do for, 
since he bought the company. And, uh, you know, he's like whatever it was since May or whatnot. And uh, now he's just going to come in and do what he wants to do, like initially first six months to a year. And then after that, everybody's going to kind of forget that he's, you know, CEO of Twitter for a while, I think. Yeah. Elon buying Twitter is a good thing. <laughs> exactly. In my opinion. I think it's a net good for Twitter. Yeah, I, I think so as well. For us as users, it's going to be good. Yeah, no, definitely. But, um, you know, let's bring it back to Bitcoin. So we kind of talked about this at the beginning of the show, but I want to talk about it. I talked about it a little bit with Joey as well as the whole minor capitulation. Uh, and you brought it up a little bit too, where a lot of miners are kind of starting to sell their Bitcoin. Uh, and Bitcoin miners are seeing the hash rate kind of continually increase and we're seeing more and more go bankrupt, not be able to pay out their loans. Uh, we actually had, you know, announced today, uh, Bitcoin mining firm Iris Energy is on the verge of a $103 million loan default. Um, and it seems like more and more of these public Bitcoin mining companies are kind of continually continuing to sell either equipment or their Bitcoin bags. Um, so, I mean... What do you think, I guess, of the overall state of Bitcoin, uh, you know, miners? Do you think like more are going to, I don't know. And, and we also saw too, um, I think you sent that tweet in the chat of, what was it, Ottawa? Um, oh, Quebec. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They were essentially, their whole government is now saying you can't, uh, or they won't sell any more energy to Bitcoin miners. So, Apparently, yeah. They've got a lot of hydropower, I think. Yeah, and I think uh, Bit Farms might have a, a farm over there as well. Um, or yeah, I, I, I didn't read. I didn't read the bit of news. I don't know if like it's, uh, you know, going forwards they're not going to sell any more energy to miners, but the existing contracts they'll honor, or the existing people who are mining will still get the power that that they need. Not really sure. I I need to go back and read it. I literally just saw it right before we were about to start. But just yeah, generally, um, I think. I, Iris is the one that had three special purpose vehicles through which they own and borrowed the money uh, to buy the miners. So those special purpose vehicles, from what I understand, will default, but it, they're the, 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 per, the company, I think it's NIDIG, the company that loaned them the money using the machines as collateral only has claim to the machines and no other assets of Iris Energy. So all their other assets are protected, which is a very smart move. And uh, they did highlight this. If I've got the right company, their their press release highlighted over and over again that this was like smart risk management strategy that they had implemented. Because um, now, uh, I think if figures were, there's $7 million of principal and interest payments a month on the machines, but they're only mining $2 million worth of Bitcoin per month. Uh, the outstanding loan on all the machines is 103 million, but the market value of the machines, according to Iris Energy, is 65 to 70 million. You can imagine they're probably putting that figure a bit on the high end. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, you know, price is down, difficulties up, and hash rate obviously is up. So, uh, and 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 add to that, uh, much higher power costs. So, any miners that didn't have fixed, uh, um energy price agreements uh, are wrecked. You know, every single one of the factors that squeeze your margin are all happening at the same time. Yeah. And we've got to, and, and, and beautiful, we've got a having coming up. So your, your mining revenue is about to cut, get cut in half. 
Yeah, and that mining revenue is or that havings in the next like year and a half or so. So yeah, I mean, that's... about seventy-eight thousand blocks left or something. So, yeah, so uh, it's, it's just it's, a, it's a bit over a year. Yeah, I think it's like May twenty-four. Yeah, which is insane. So I mean, I I don't know. That's the, that's my biggest worry for all of this. And I think obviously, you know, we've seen the kind of pattern these four-year cycles have, where every four years, right before the having, it starts to creep up, and you know, the price starts to accelerate. Um, and then obviously after the having, you know, you usually see the, the, the run-ups and that's when you see the beautiful bull market, everybody kind of hopping in FOMOing, but we also see these downturns. So I'm kind of hoping that more miners figure out how to deal with these, uh, having periods and the kind of the volatility of Bitcoin. And I think obviously the volatility is going to kind of go down over time, but. Oh. Be frozen, Brandon. You know, I think. Oh. Can you hear me? There you are. No, you, you, you froze. You're lagging. Oh man, can you hear me now? Test. Yeah, test. yeah. There you go. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I think like it's just going to kind of continue to float around this price and it's going to be bad news for a lot of Bitcoiners that are Bitcoin miners that have degened in kind of like you were saying and are over leveraged. Yeah. I think um, I was saying this on the Canadian Bitcoiners podcast a couple of days ago. We were collectively drunk, wasted. <laughs> uh, and then we went to bed and we woke up hungover, sober uh, and yeah facing the cold, harsh reality of the bear market. Yeah. And you, uh, you were, you woke up uh, hungover looking at your phone in a lot of regret, right? All those, yeah. uh, drunk what did I say last night? What did I do? Oh God. I 10 X leverage bought Bitcoin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. All on the it's like I spent $3,000 on a table at 11. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I think if you spent 3000, only at 11, that's probably not a bad night. That place is expensive right? as fuck. So, yep. yeah, but, uh, yeah, we'll wrap it up on that note. So, uh, Gandalf, I really appreciate your time and coming in and filling in last minute. So, uh, why don't you tell everybody what, uh, where they can find you, what all you've got going on? Um, yeah, best place to find me is on Twitter and I normally talk about, you know, everything there, what I've got going on. So just find me on Twitter. I'm at BTC Gandalf, uh, and give me a follow and say, Hey. Have you frozen again? Right, perfect. So I don't know. Can you hear me now? Oh, there you are. There you are. Yeah. Um, there we go. Thanks for having me, mate. I appreciate it. Of course. Of course. Well, I apologize for the uh, technical difficulties, but it's always a pleasure to have you on and we'll have you on again, I'm sure, in the near future. So thanks, buddy. Peace. Make Bitcoin the standard. <laughs>